0: Hey, can you hear me, my man? <laughs> so basically, that we're talking about that Cleveland, that Cleveland fumble in the end zone. Everybody can't get over how bad of a call that the rule actually is. Because he reached out, did what he had to do, but in the end, to knock it out. But the thing that nobody's talking about is that helmet to helmet hit. That no call, which probably goes down as the worst no call of the year, in my opinion. I don't see a way that Clay, Cleveland still wins that game, even though with the touchdown. But Chad Hennie coming in, he really showed that he's just not ready for the moment. If they have to go with him in the next game, I don't think they have a chance. But all the news coming out about Mahomes is really positive. So we'll see how that goes. But the other game, they were just, just as good. You know, we get into that Baltimore-Buffalo game. That was a game where I really saw... Buffalo showed what I knew that they, they could do the whole time. Last week I said Buffalo is going to show up. Baltimore had their best game. Well, Baltimore, they, they fell flat on this one. And Josh Allen, he did just enough. But Josh Allen is that kind of cerebral quarterback that on the next level, he's going to keep them going as far as he can. But the defense, that's what I think that can take out Kansas City. So, for me right now, I think if Patrick Mahomes does play, Buffalo is going to be relentless. They're not going to have any issues getting him, in my opinion, because the question is, how will he be? I don't know. Um, but getting back to, you know, some of the changing GMs, changing uh, coaches around the NFL right now, I've got to say the the Marty Herney potential hire in Washington, it's definitely got uh, Washington Twitter, you know, all crazy today. The first thing that everyone keeps saying is the whole Carolina connection. Everybody is upset of the whole idea that, You know, I think we're talking about now 13 staff members. Uh, My response would be if they can um, bring Herney in, I think that that would show Snyder's not involved. Uh, For any kind of Washington fans we've known over the last two decades, he's someone that has constantly got involved, no matter if the team was doing bad or good. So, in my opinion, if this this hire does happen, it's a Ron Rivera move. In the end, I think Ron Rivera has all the control. You know, just a quick snippet about Herney. People need to remember that he was under Dave Gettleman for a long time in Carolina. Um, just looking at some of the draft picks that they were doing over there, and I think he got caught up um, what gave Dave Gettleman did. Dave Gettleman up and left after they lost that Super Bowl, left him in cap hell. So it was a really bad situation. But I do agree with many people out there that are saying, how do you continually get fired and they going to get a GM position? When I mean, there's arguably some really good candidates out there, you know, that 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 remain to be seen how we go into next year if this continues to be the trend with, uh, you know, retreads, GMs, which that's the term that's going around on Twitter right now. But I really think that in the end, this is a Rivera guy. If it works out, hey, he he's going to be the genius. If this falls flat, everyone's going to point to him and then maybe Snyder gets back involved. But until then, if it does happen, um, you know, I, I think we just need to focus on the draft as far as Washington fans go. And I think... Rivera, ultimately, Kyle Smith will be heavily involved. And I think that if we still see Kyle Smith around during the draft, I think it's a good sign that um, you know, going forward will be good. So um, something to hang our hat on for Washington yep. fans.
1: So, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with all that. And, if, and I'm sure everybody's wondering where the hell I was. Um, thanks, Adam, for actually covering <laughs> my
0: best all that
1: about the new – potential Washington GM, and of course, that hit between Higgins and Sorensen, which um, I was going to talk about as well, but you actually had a great discussion on it, so I I won't uh, belabor the point at all. Of course, just so everyone knows, I hate you, Blog Talk Radio. This was literally (laughs) 15 minutes of prep time that went out the window, and uh, my old uh, co-host Ryan Whitfield has been through this before. So uh, that was fantastic. What a great intro. Thank you, Adam, for carrying that for us. And I was actually going to spend some time talking to you about how much, how many nachos you ate this weekend because I was going to tell you the story of how I just went totally nuts. I just went totally off the charts, got myself some Taco Bell, an appetizer, some nacho fries, oh meat lovers pizza, and then got some KFC to top it off. Dude, that was the worst idea I ever had. It was yeah. an absolute disaster. Mm. I mean, I can tell you, I literally – had a half bottle of Tums just so I didn't pass out from that heartburn. But anyway, oh, um,
0: for you. <laughs> crazy stuff.
1: Great, great weekend. And I'm sure the listeners are, are sick of me droning on about this. So, listen, lots of, stuff, lots of things we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about our favorite divisional playoff game of the week. We're talking about our AFC and NFC Conference Championship preview. we got new head coaches in the NFL. we got our DIR Player of the Week. And we got much, much more. So, you know, without further ado, let's get this rolling. All right, time for our divisional playoff game of the week. That had a couple of good ones this weekend. Adam, what was your favorite divisional playoff game of the week, and why? Uh,
0: without without a doubt, um, it had to be that uh, Kansas City game that I was touching on before. Um, like I said, I really saw Baker Mayfield come out and really ball out. I think that we're starting to see that you know they can their run game can get him so far, but in the end. I know Landry's a good receiver, but to me, he's no more than a number two. So, you know, between him and Higgins, their offense really wasn't moving. They really tried to get Njuko going, and honestly, I'll be honest, you know, as somebody that really has followed Miami University for a while, um, he just didn't have that same burst. I don't know if something's wrong with him, but um, I think Cleveland will definitely reload on multiple positions next year. They're kind of stuck in their tight end situation. They'll probably move on from uh, Ningochu, but – Chad Henney, like I said before, he he showed he, he's not going to be able to carry this team if they have to play without Mahomes next week. But without a doubt, uh, that game was if Cleveland scored that touchdown, uh, we could be talking about something different. But I think Kansas City's defense really showed me something. They, they stepped up. So that was definitely an impressive performance on the Kansas City side for me.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. So I, I really did enjoy this and we talked about this pre show, how much um this game actually was, was entertaining for me, much more so than I thought it was gonna be. I mean I really did think that Kansas City was gonna step out of their bye week and just kinda blast it off the map because they wanted to show yeah. everyone they deserved to be there, they were well rested. It was just the opposite. I mean it started off a little hot, I thought it was gonna get they're gonna get away with it. That play at the end of the first half that will be talked about for many, many, many more months probably. Um made me feel like, well, that's the end of it, uh, game's over, and they really showed some fortitude bringing it back and making that a real, um, a real competition. So that was, that was really something I agree. That was, actually was my favorite. But if I had to pick a second one, I would say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the New Orleans Saints was a good one. I mean, both offenses and defenses have been good this year, and you couldn't have asked for a better NFL marketing tag than Brady versus Breeze, right? I mean, what was interesting yeah. to me for this game was comparing the two things that I thought really stood out, defenses and the QBs. I mean, those are the two things that I kept looking at, because I mentioned last week that the Saints were quietly one of the best defenses in the NFL this season, and that's actually true for the Bucs as well. You know, the Saints defense allowed the fourth least yards per play, while the Bucs were just behind them at six, at the sixth least yards per play. I mean, it's, they're pretty close. Now, what I didn't realize at the time, and now is abundantly clear to me, was that the Bucs had the fourth highest percentage of drives ending in an offensive turnover um, on defense. So their defense wow. – of the time ended a drive with a turnover. I had no idea. I didn't really think about that at the time because I I wasn't paying attention to that stat. Very quietly, one of the best defenses in terms of uh, ball control, ball taking the ball over. And it really showed up this past weekend. That was the difference. Four turnovers. Shockingly, three interceptions from Drew Brees and a fumble from Jared Cook. Honestly, I mean, in a game this close, those turnovers were everything. I mean, the Bucs capitalized on the first three turnovers of touchdowns. That's the difference in the game. Now, unfortunately – I think this might be the end for the Bree- for, for Breeze. I mean, it's really kind of sad to see him go out that way because he is such a great quarterback, definitely a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, but it sets up in a really intriguing matchup next week between Brady and Rodgers, another terrific QB showdown. Any thoughts about that game?
0: Oh, man, Rodgers, <laughs> I, I just had a couple notes here. I, I know they were talking about it on the broadcast, but there was a play where when he was doing pre-snap, he was calling, and he was smiling. He was toying with them. This guy... It's just awesome. And
1: <clears throat> the Packers <laughs>
0: defense stepped up. You know, between his performance, just on a, a shy out of 300 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, I think Green Bay, honestly, I, I'm shocked I'm saying this, but I, I think they're going to win the Super Bowl because even if Kansas City gets Mohammed wow. back, wow. they get going. I just think Green Bay, they have it all right now. Everything's clicking. I think those DBs would match up with anybody from here on out. I think that their linebacker is their front line. Right now, to me, I think Green Bay is the team to be going, you know, for the end. And although I like um, what uh, Tampa Bay can do in that game, I think uh, Tom Brady is going to get humbled in that game. I, I really like what he can do. He's shown that he's nowhere near done. But in the end, that Green Bay defense is really going to shut him down. We're going to be talking about maybe a 17-13 kind of game. I think Rogers will put up some numbers. But like you mentioned, you know, when it gets down to the goal line, when it gets close – you know their star players like rookie and uh Winfield Jr that safety man he makes that defense go he really keeps everything in the back end so when it gets pushed back to the end zone they really knuckle up so yeah i think it'll be a really good game but again i think green bay pulls that out
1: yeah so that's going to be and that's going to be uh it's going to be something that's the NFC conference championship game that's going to be sunday january 24th at 305 p.m. you know the uh buccaneers um, are actually four-point dogs to the Packers, which, is so it's in line of what you're talking about there. And you know I, what I was thinking about is, think about the—I I had forgotten this really, but they had met previously, back in October 18th, and the Bucks actually won that game 38 to 10. And I'm like, did yep. I read that right? <laughs> was that did that actually happen? And it was it was a lot of ground game there. You know, it was a lot of Ronald Jones, um, and it was a pick six. I mean, one of the few interceptions that Rodgers has thrown this. I mean, actually, it's really interesting because I really think that when you look at that matchup, we're looking at the Buccaneers' defense versus Rodgers. And you must, be, and I know a lot of you out there are saying, "Well, what the heck? He just faced down the number one defense in the NFL and he blasted them into the, into the into orbit here." So, what what can the Tampa Bay unit do? Well, it's interesting because they are actually against the rush um, number one. They're number one rush defense in the NFL. They allow just 80.6 yards per game. And they only allowed Definitely. 10 rushing touchdowns all season, least in the NFL. So, you know, match it up. And I know that everyone thinks Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Jones is a big part of this, you know, and everybody on the ground yeah. there, Dylan and, you know, Jamal Williams, all those guys um, really do set up that pass. They, they, they keep defenses honest, and Rodgers can work with that. You know, he, he's great at play action. He's great at looking downfield. You give him a little bit of time, you have those linebackers or safeties creep up a little bit, he'll, he'll make you pay. He'll absolutely make you pay, and he's playing games with those defenses all the time. Just like you said, Adam, he's playing games with those defenses all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, they're also, they're also very productive in terms of forcing turnovers, and I just talked about this, but I'm gonna I'm going to reiterate this. Buccaneers have forced an interception on 2.4% of pass plays against them, and it was obviously dramatically demonstrated last weekend. They're tied for the fifth most total takeaways during the regular season, at 25. So, you know, this is this is an opportunistic defense. This is a defense that can make you pay if you make mistakes. And they got to they got to Rodgers in that earlier meeting. 38 to 10 is no small, it's no joke. You know, it's 38 to 10 against the Packers is no joke. But for sure, it's Aaron Rodgers. You know, it's yeah. Rodgers and the Packers. Uh, you know, they have the number. He has the number one passer rating in NFL during the regular season, 121.5. It's Not even close. And Rodgers threw the least interceptions during the regular season, just five, but one of them against that uh, opportunistic Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. So I know you got the Packers winning this. Do you think they're going to cover the spread of four as well?
0: Yeah. No, well, I, I honestly I didn't even know the spread. I said seventeen thirteen. So yeah. So I think they'll just cover. It. Like you <laughs> oh said, yeah, it's perfect you, So
1: you you predicted the exact spread. <laughs>
0: I didn't even. So um, um, but, I'm,
1: I'm. Yep.
0: Um, but I I just think that. Like you said, the run game is important for Aaron Rodgers. It, they'll, they'll stop it. I really do believe that. But I just think he's too good, and they can, they're, they're, he'll still get his 300 yards, and it'll be enough to you know get two touchdowns. But, you know, like you said, that Tampa Bay uh, defense is no joke. I just think it's a tale of two seasons with Green Bay right now, and I think that team that played was nowhere as good as this team. Devontae Adams is playing out of his mind. You know, all of their receivers, yeah. they're just catching the ball. It's something we take for granted. Agreed. But, man, just go around the NFL. Look at the Washington game alone in Tampa Bay. I think between our two teams, there was nine drops, I think, and Good Godwin had four alone. Yeah. So it's something that's un- right. you know, it's not talked about. And although he's a great quarterback, his players are catching the ball with Aaron Rodgers. So, like I said, 17-13 sounds about right to me.
1: Yep, so sounds good. I'm in on that. I think Packers will – also cover, but I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if I was wrong about this and the Buccaneers end up taking it. Let's go switch to the other side and talk about the AFC Conference Championship game. Later on on Sunday, January 24th, 6.40 p.m. Eastern time, Chiefs favored by 2.5, just 2.5. Interesting. Now, remember, these guys met previously on October 19th. Chiefs downing the bill 26-17 in a driving rainstorm. Huge contribution from Clyde Edward to Lair in that 161 rush yards. He's still questionable in this game um so we don't know what we're going to see and of course the big question Patrick Mahomes still questionable in this game so anyway Adam what are you looking for in the AFC Conference Championship game and who do you think is going to win it
0: well you just said it you know Edward Dillair and Mahomes those are two huge question marks you know that's going to go up until game time when that spread is going to shift one way or another I think um in the end I think Buffalo will give them all they can handle, but if Mahomes is in, I think they'll pull it out and I think they'll they'll the spread won't even be close. I think it's gonna be closer to, you know, six and a half, six points uh in the end. But I think Buffalo has really played inspired and Allen, he's a guy that I, I keep continuing to say he's not he's not the quarterback that's gonna to have to have three hundred yards, four touchdowns for you to be that great quarterback. I think he's gonna be that great quarterback throwing for two hundred yards, two touchdowns, rushing for eighty scoring another one a game. He's that kind of guy. So I think we're going to see a really good game from him against that Kansas city defense in the end, though. I just think Kansas city has got too much for them to handle. So, you know, I think Kansas city takes it by six.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because I, like you said, a lot of it is kind of questionable. I mean, I think we're going to look at this very differently. If um Darryl Williams is the, is in charge of the backfield and uh, Chad Henney is behind center uh, than if we see Clyde Edwards-Hilaire make it back and Patrick Mahomes make it back. What I understand is that he is in the quote-unquote concussion protocol but didn't really have a concussion, had more of a nerve pinch in his neck, which caused him right. to have concussion-type system, system symptoms. So hopefully he comes back from that. It would be a shame not to see him come back for this showdown because it's a showdown I really wanted to see. My big issue, of course, is the Bills. I mean, I, and I do think Josh Allen, as we talked about last week, has taken that next step, and Stefan Diggs obviously – among the top receivers in the NFL right now can make you pay um if you play man coverage with him but the point the problem i have is they have basically no run game at all no ground game at all right. you know Zach moss out for the season devin singletary did nothing i mean they didn't, they didn't let him do anything i mean that's a probably better way yeah. of putting it they basically did not run <laughs> any run plays i mean they very very seldom do that so they they're going to live or die on Josh Allen's arm and, you know, a little bit of Josh Allen scrambling. And that's going to be really interesting to me. That's going to be interesting to me because the Chiefs don't, I mean, they're a decent defense. They don't put a ton of pressure on uh, opposing quarterbacks. I mean, they are in the bottom half of the league in terms of sacks. um, And, you know, they they allow about, you know, middle of the pack in terms of um, passing percentage against. I mean, they're they're just kind of there, you know, and they, they don't, they don't necessarily—they're not necessarily um, uh, an aggressive defense in terms of pressuring um, the offenses that they they, pay, they uh, face, but they are really good in terms of um, covering in the secondary, and um, they have the second most interceptions um, this regular season with 16. So if Josh Allen can can get a, can avoid turning the ball over, maybe. Um, but I'm with you. I think the Chiefs are probably going to take this. I, I wish I was bold enough to just go ahead and outright pick the Bucks <laughs> and the Bills to win it. Because I feel like that's, the possibility is just – it's so much – it's so possible. I, I can totally see yeah. that happening. I would not be shocked, but I just got to go with the Chiefs on this one. And particularly, it was a two-and-a-half point spread. It's just not much there. All right, right, boxing bell on that. Let's go ahead and move on to the next topic here and talk about the new head coaches in the NFL. So you already had some comments about Marty Herney, who's likely to become the new GM of the Washington football team. But there are lots of new coaches in the NFL, more to come. Um, And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting because it's going to really shake things up. So far we have uh, Urban Meyer in Jacksonville coming over from Ohio State uh, from a couple years back. And, of course, from the Florida Gators from before that. You got for the charge. You got Brandon Staley coming over from the uh, Los Angeles Rams, where he was defensive coordinator in 2020. Robert Sala over in the New York Jets, coming over from the 49ers, where he was a defensive coordinator for three years. And Arthur Smith going to the Atlanta Falcons, their offensive coordinator from the last two years at Tennessee in Tennessee. So, what do you think there, um, Adam? Which one of those are you most interested in, and why?
0: Uh, it, to me, number one, I live in New York, but even if I didn't, it has to be the Jets. Um, I love. San Francisco defensive co- – former defensive coordinator Robert Saleh. I just think there's certain guys that can be a defensive coordinator and there's certain guys that can just be a lot more than that. I think that he's that kind of coach, that single hoped he would be and people thought he would be. He's just the whole package. And I think what he did by bringing in one of the LaFour Le- Le- bl- brothers in now to run that offense – I think that the Jets are in a really good situation where they could honestly keep Darnold and just go big on wide receiver, which is probably their best bet, you know, with Devontae Smith and um, Chase, you know, definitely going to be available for them. So, to me, that's without a doubt um, two hires that I think will see a a fast turnaround. I know everyone's going to go to Urban Meyer and Lawrence. to think that'll be the quicker turnaround, (laughs) but I honestly – I'm predicting the Jets are going to have a quicker turnaround um, than any, any of the new hires. But I, I love the pick. And I think by giving the reins to LaFleur, I think we saw what happened in Green Bay. You know, another example of yeah. Washington letting someone go. We had LaFleur and McVay, two former Washington coordinators, go head-to-head. So, you know, staying in the family, I, I, the Jets, it's a great pickup. So the question will be, what are they going to do with the quarterback situation? But regardless, they're going to have a uh-huh. defensive foundation. It's going to be, you know, throwback of what the Jets are really all about.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I love that, love that. But since you took uh, Robert Saleh already, I'm going to talk about Urban Meyer because, I mean, it's, he's such a big marquee name, uh, Urban Meyer. I mean, you just every football fan knows the name. Going to the Jacksonville Jaguars, he obviously has a lot of work to do there. I mean, and and obviously he's been out of football, right? I mean, he was a to right. uh, state head coach from 2000, um, 2000, 2018 when he left. So, you know, he has all that, and he obviously has everything he had with the Florida Gators. I mean, it's it's clear – why this is a good pick uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, Shad Khan, the owner, actually said that Meyer was the guy the Jags wanted all along. And I mean, whether it's true or not, I mean, from a marketing standpoint, totally makes sense. I mean, he led the University of of Florida Gators to a 65-15 and record, two national titles from 2005 to 2010. And he's got that program building resume that, you know, fans and players can get behind. They're just going to be they're going to be excited about that, and and we know that fans and players alike have been very anti-coach and anti-management down there in Jacksonville of late. So yeah. this is a big this is a big move for them. He's a popular guy, and uh you know I, I think he could be like uh he could be anybody he wants to be in Florida, right? He could he could be like Tommy Tuberville, run for the Senate. and He'd probably make it over there in Florida. I mean he's, he's a real popular guy down there. You know he has the number. He, you know he has the number one pick to play with as well. And and yeah. you know chances yeah. are I, I don't see why why this would change. He's going to get Trevor Lawrence. And as much as I hate the Clemson Tigers for what they did to uh, my Notre Dame Irish, I you know Trevor Lawrence is something else. He is something else. And I think he's going to be he's going to definitely raise the floor of that offense. And I can't imagine how excited Jacksonville Jaguar fans are uh, to see the next season when they start off with Trevor Lawrence and they have Urban Meyer there as their head coach. Of course, there are some downsides, right, because he has zero NFL experience, zero. And he had lots of health-related retirements previously. Uh, he had some controversy <laughs> previously in both Florida and Ohio State regarding, quote-unquote, overlooked criminal behavior by players and staff. I mean, there's a lot of potential controversy there. There's potential health issues there. There's potential fact that it just doesn't translate. I mean, look at Chip Kelly. Right. You know? I mean, he really was a bust in the NFL, and there are many, many other examples uh, so, right. I mean, we'll I, be interested to see how that turns out. All right, so that's going to be fun. But let's get to the fun, the, the really fun part, because there is there is one part of this show that I really, really love because of the fact that it's something that Adam does so well. It's the DIR Player of the Week.
0: All right, Adam, who you got lined up for us this week? All right, we have one that I've been getting a lot of uh, requests from my readers about. I've been going through the top 10-15 wide receivers in the draft, but this guy just keeps popping out. Uh, North Texas wide receiver Jalen Darden, 5'9", uh, 174. Right now, if you look around, his draft grade anywhere from a third round to a fifth round. But this guy, the biggest hit you're going to see on him is that slender build and the level of play. But I'm telling you, this guy was second in the nation to only Devontae Smith with 19 touchdowns, over 1,100 yards. This kid is dynamic with the ball in his hand. They use him in the run game. They use him everywhere. He was a 2020 uh, Conference USA MVP, All-American by USA, and he was actually the Blitnikoff Award semifinalist. Um, This kid is just amazing. Um, As a Washington fan, everybody knows that um, my scouting is always directed towards Fitz. So we'll continue with the offense. We did Patterson before from Buffalo. Um, but, again, it's going to be Jalen Darden tonight because I think this is a guy that can come in day one, have a uh, Deshaun Jackson type of impact. But the difference I see between them is Jackson is known as that more that deep threat burner. This guy can probably run in the more of the 4-4-3 four, three, four, four, three range, but he's just shifty. He can stop on the dime. He's, you talk about breaking ankles, that's what this kid does. Jalen Darden, North Texas, the RR of the Week. Man, this kid is something to watch, and when come draft time, I'm telling you, it's going to be exciting.
1: Yeah, well, that is really good stuff, and I'm that's just, that's just excited. Everybody's excited about this. That's a good one. I'm, I'm really looking forward. You know, I'm getting so much information uh, from this. I mean, this is not just for our <laughs> listeners, by the way, just so everyone knows. It's because I like to crib Adam and make it seem like I know what's going on in terms of these <laughs> prospects. So I get this every week. I'm going to really enjoy this upcoming uh, draft season and this upcoming uh, you know, up, offseason, off just seeing where all these players go because this is going to be really exciting to me. This is what, it's, this is what Adam's life is like every offseason. I can't believe I get to take part of that again this year. <laughs> all right, let's hit the air horn on the show. This is great. Uh, out of time. Adam, I know you have some exciting updates to provide about the Burgundy and Gold Report, so uh, fire away.
0: Yeah, you know, there's like I said, there's some, you know, big things in the work, been putting a lot of time in the film room, you know, a lot of time just building the Burgundy and Gold Report. You know, right now, just continue to follow me at the BNG Report on Twitter. Um, right now you can find my articles at burgundyandgoldreport.wordpress.com. Um, that site will be changing soon, and there will be more updates about that. But I said just continue to follow me. Uh, we're going to continue to go through all the draft prospects fits in Washington. We're going to continue to stay on the offense for now because, as I've been saying, Washington went four straight years taking a first-round pick out of the defense side of the ball, so I think it's a really good chance we're going to see someone on offense, but just continue the journey, and um, like I said, it'll be a lot of fun, but uh, keep up with me, man, because I'm kind of uh, crazy when it goes with this stuff, man. You know, hail D.C., man.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And, of course, we have some uh, really interesting news coming up. We do have um, a, a guest coming on the show next week, where we're going to be talking about um, a little bit of uh, talking about prospects. Michael at, uh is coming on, middle linebacker. He's going to be really he's going to be on to talk to us about um, you know just stuff he did at Norfolk State and uh, state, and of course playing down in Texas. Lots of things to talk about there coming up next week, January 25th at 7:30 p.m. Eastern time. Follow our social media and you'll see more about that and. With that said, well, we've come to the end of another show. So thanks again, everyone, for coming out listening and wasting time with us. And until next time, enjoy your NFL week.